Philadelphia. With that, we will move into our lesson. Bless the Lord. Glory to God. I'm so excited, so excited, so excited for the word. Woo! All right, so Lord, we're enjoying this so much. Okay, help me to slow down so they can catch up because I'm so excited. Woo! Okay, so we have been studying about humility. Um, for, well, actually, we've been yeah, we've been studying about humility, and I'll just leave it there. We've been studying about humility, and over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at demonstrations of of, of Jesus, how he demonstrated humility, and we've been dealing with we've narrowed it down to one definition of humility, but it has two parts. Humility is when we have a realistic view of our own importance. And last week we determined that this realistic view is one, or, or the realistic view of our importance, one, in the sight of God, and a realistic view of our importance, two, in comparison to God. So with the first part, a realistic view of our importance in the sight of God is that we see ourselves as God sees us. No more, no less. Zubato, bullseye, target, just right on. We see ourselves as God sees us. And number two, we um, a realistic view of our importance in comparison to God. We know that God is God. And compared to him, we are lowly. That's where that lowliness comes in. Lowly. Notice I said lowly and not unworthy. He does not call us unworthy, but compared to him, we are lowly because he is God. We are not. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And when we come and realize how lowly we are compared to him, then we listen to him and we obey him and let him elevate our thoughts up to his thoughts instead of trying to bring our own thoughts to the game. We listen to him and obey him and let him elevate our ways to his ways instead of trying to bring our ways to the game. That's how we walk in humility. So that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And today the Lord changed directions and um, we're still talking about humility, but we're going to talk about it today in the context of the songs that I just shared with you. Through it all by Andre, Andre Crouch. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend upon his word. And I'm still here. I made it through another day's journey. God kept me here. And then C.C. Winans, belief for it. You are the way when there seems to be no way. We trust in you. God, you have the final say. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. Placing our total dependence on God. The Lord showed me that these three songs that he just, whoo, in my heart, he says, this is humility in action. Leaning and depending on Jesus going through hard times, knowing that it's not we ourselves who have kept us here, but it's him. He's the one 
who kept us here. And it's his word that we depend on. It's his word that has the authority. He said it. We believe it. We're not bringing our own notions to the game. We believe what he said. We give his word first place and supreme authority in our lives. Amen. What a privilege it is to be totally dependent on God. What a privilege it is to be totally dependent on God. Tonight, our scripture comes from Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. I will ask that these be read out of the King James Version. And eventually, I'm going to ask for the um, American Standard, the NASB. So if somebody has a mechanism where they can pull it up on their phone or whatever, feel free. If not, I've got it here. But Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. In the King James. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your, uh, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but do everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Um, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we know that I'm sure this is a very familiar passage to all of us. Um, this is Paul encouraging the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And this letter um, was Paul's most joyful letter. And it was written while he was in the worst of prisons. So we know that rejoicing and joy is not conditional upon our circumstances or surroundings. There is an inner virtue at work and inner power at work there. Paul is encouraging us. I'm going to put us here now. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I'm thinking about those songs. Through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I learned to trust in God. I made it through another day's journey. God kept me here. Through all this, he kept me here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 5 says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. That word moderation, um, I, got, I looked it up in the Greek, but I wasn't quite, I couldn't capture the definition the way I wanted to. So um, I found this this description in um, a commentary. It's the Cambridge Bible for schools and colleges. So this word moderation, in effect, it means considerateness. 
the attitude of thought and will, which in remembrance of others forgets itself and willingly yields up the purely personal claims of self. In other words, it's a selflessness. Let your selflessness be known unto all men. And the question becomes, how or why, 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 why can we be selfless? And the reason is because we're walking in humility. We're secure in who God says we are. We're secure in our identity in Christ. When you are secure in something, when you are secure, oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll come to that in a minute. But when you are secure in something, then you're not afraid of letting it go or opening up your hand or, you know, I'll, so I'll give you this example. I forgot the name of the movie, but it starred Cuba Gooding Jr. And he was a black doctor. And I think he made history or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, he's out helping the world. He's this phenomenal doctor saving all of these patients, just, oh my goodness. And his wife is pregnant with his child and she has complications. She's in the hospital. She's not doing well at all. And so he is by his wife's side and it's taking some time, you know, days or however long it's been, if I'm remembering the movie correctly, it's taking some time. And he is there with his wife. He is happy to be there with his wife. He wants to be there with his wife. But his wife tells him, you need to go. Your patients need you. And he said, you need me. And she said, I already have you. She was secure in her relationship with her husband. Such that she wasn't quote unquote needy. And that she didn't, she wasn't, um, you know, we think it's, it's a normal right. But she wasn't selfish in that, no, you stay with me. You can't go help anybody else. And even though she had every right, she was his wife, she was selfless in that because she was secure in what she had. She was secure in her relationship with her husband and she knew that her husband was there with her whether he was there physically or not. And that's the kind of selfless this is talking about. When we are walking in humility, and we see ourselves as God sees us, and we are secure in who God says we are. We are secure in what God said we have, um, says we have, and we are secure in our identity in Christ. Then we don't have to act selfishly when somebody talks to us crossway, or when somebody calls us something we're not, or when somebody does something we don't appreciate. We looked at demonstrations of Jesus in, in, in John chapter 8. I'm sure he didn't appreciate the way the Pharisees were talking to him and what they thought of him. But he was like, I don't need you to bear witness of me. I bear, yes, I bear testimony of myself. <laughs> and that's okay. Not only is that okay, I, I am confident in that. Why? Because... I'm doing what my father taught me. I'm doing what my father said. And not only that, since your law says that you need two witnesses for the word to be reliable, 
fine. I have two witnesses, and I am one of them. But my father in heaven, he bears witness of me too. He didn't um, have to act selfishly in trying to convince them that he was who he said he was. The Lord is showing me a whole new aspect of selfishness. When we need somebody to believe our way, when we need somebody to support what we say, when we need somebody to feel the same way we feel, that's selfish. They have the freedom to feel the way they feel. You be confident in what God said about you. Let your moderation be known to all men. Let your selflessness be known to all men. We can be selfless. It's such a privilege to um, have humility and to depend on Jesus, even for the thoughts that we think about ourselves. Even for the feelings that we have about ourselves, we can be secure in who God says we are. We can be secure in what God says we have. We can be secure in our identity in Jesus. Does anybody have the scripture in the NASB? If not, I can read it. Okay. So in the NASB, it says, let your gentle spirit be known to all people. So instead of saying moderation, it's a gentle spirit. We've seen that word before. Keep your finger in um, Philippians, but turn to Matthew chapter 11. And we will look at, um, this is Jesus' invitation. We will look at Yeah, we'll look at verses 28 and 29. When somebody has that, um, please read it in the Amplified Classic. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will, e I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. So I want to focus on the part of the verse that says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart. In the NASB, it says, take my yoke and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Okay, so that word moderation, it means selfless, or it, yeah, it connotates, um, it connotes selflessness, but also it means gentle. And this is what Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you 
come do it my way. And I won't leave you to do it by yourself. I'm, I'm right here doing it with you, teaching you how it is to be done. But come do it my way. I am meek. I am gentle. And I am humble. He's going to teach us how to live that way. So when we're showing our moderation, we're showing our gentleness. And I went and I looked this word up in the Greek. And gentle, the only definition they gave for it was gentle. So here, we'll just take it straight from Jesus's example. Come to me, take my yoke and learn of me for I am gentle and humble. So this gentleness, and, and, it, and it does. Now, when I looked up, when I went to the commentary for the scripture, it means the same thing as what I described with the moderation. Um, the attitude of thought and will, which in remembrance of others, forgets itself and willingly yields up the purely personal claims of self. That's what Jesus did for us. Through all his teaching that we saw in the Bible and even how he does now. He, he, he thinks of us and he's considerate of us and he continues to teach us. He doesn't get offended as what we do, meaning that he doesn't hold offense. He doesn't hold it against us. He was like, all right, we need to work on that. And he lovingly, what he beholds us and he loves us and he tells us the thing that we lack. He's gentle. I know um, that having um, hung out with Shalom a little bit, she's got some friends and, and I've met them and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's just a certain oof that comes out of them. And um, she says, yeah, he's a gentle giant. And there are several other people. She's like, yeah, they're gentle. And gentleness is such a, oh, it's, it's, it's sweet. If you've ever experienced it. It's, it's real sweet. It just makes you feel so cared for. And even now as I'm talking about this, I think it's in the psalm, but he says, the psalmist says, I'm talking to the Lord, your gentleness has made me great. I feel such an anointing of the love of God right now. I hope you all are experiencing this. The Lord deals with us in gentleness, and because he deals with us in gentleness, we, and I'm not going to say we should deal with other people in gentleness. It's not, none of this is about what we should do. We get to. Freely we have received, freely we can give. Why? Because Jesus is teaching us how to do it. It's such a privilege not to have to be weighed down with offense. It's such a privilege not to let every little thing get on our nerves. It's such a privilege to walk in humility, to see ourselves as God sees us, and that frees us up to love others as he loves us. None of this is anything that we have to do. It's something that we allow him to work in us because the main element of humility is realizing that 
we can't do anything on our own and our total dependence is on him. How awesome is that? How freeing is that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody okay before we go to the next scripture? Um, Catherine, and you mentioned um, feeling the love of God. Yes. I wish you sent the presence of that love. Yes. When you said that, what quickened in my heart was Galatians 5.23, how an aspect of the love that's in us, the love that's been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. an aspect of that is gentleness. When it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. How love, joy, peace, long suffering, those those offshoots from that love, how love manifests itself. One of the ways it described it in that scripture was gentleness. Yes. 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 And the thing that I mean, I'm just so in awe of God. I'm so in awe. Because you know, humility, that's not something we all go running to get, or at least let me speak for myself. Not something I go running to get. I told you, I think I told you. I remember the time that God told me to ask for humility. And I was like, um, I almost felt like I had a one of those little magic eight balls. So let me shake this thing again, see what I need to ask for. But it was such that, you know, God said, all right. Time is running out. And and so I asked for it. And my heart totally changed. I wasn't asking God to make me humble. I was asking God for the virtue of I had to give him my want to to receive humility. So it could act in because I know I've taught you can't ask God for you can't you don't want to ask God to humble you. He's not going to humble you but he can give you, it's his, humility is his. And and it took a breaking down of my pride just to ask for it. But when I did, oh my goodness, it made such a change in my life. And I mean, that's that's one of the defining moments in my life. Now, it was still up to me to exercise that humility because I received opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and still do. He's not going to make me exercise it, but I have an inclination to because it is something he personally equipped me with. And the reason I say personally equipped is like that moment when he gave me the fear of the Lord. I remember that. And that is just... I, I hope Holy Spirit, I know Holy Spirit is ministering because I'm, I just, these are all the words I have. Glory to God. Holy Spirit, continue to give me utterance. But um, we think of humility as something hard to do. Well, yeah, when we're trying to do it ourselves. But look at what he's, look at this treasure that he's opening up to us tonight. Uh, Humility, gentleness, an offshoot of the love 
the relief of, of not having to carry around all this extra baggage of emotion or, or, or handling people or, you know, and I say handling them, feeling like they have to succumb to the way we think or feeling like they have to approve of us or feeling like they have to or else we're not all right. We get to lay all that down and receive this beautiful gift of humility. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Will somebody please read that again? Um, Tamara, will you please read that? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Okay, so the word I want to pull out of this scripture is supplication. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That word supplication, um, when you study it out in the Greek, it's a heartfelt petition arising out of deep personal need. It comes from a sense of, of lack or want, um, like a feeling of insufficiency. And I read somewhere, I wish I could remember where it was. I thought I wrote it down and I'll probably find it later. But um, the commentator was saying that supplication, oh, I think it was. Anyway, it's supplication. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a heartfelt petition it's humble pleadings and he says it's not like for material stuff lord i really need my rent lord i really need some transportation mm -hmm. he's like it's <clears throat> talking about the very not i'm going to say this the very basic necessities but when i say basic i'm not talking about water and air and stuff like that but the very basic necessity to exist in that God, I know I can't do this without you. God, I know I can't, you know, do this assignment without you. God, I know I can't be all right without you. God, I know. And it's a humble pleading that comes from that place that knows that you are totally dependent on God. And it brings to uh, my mind Act 1728 which says, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him. Outside of him, it's like being a fish, like, like a fish out of water. But this supplication, all things, let me read it. Um, be careful for nothing. And we know be anxious for nothing. Don't, don't bog yourself down with care. God cares for us. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication of knowing that you need him just to exist, that you need him to carry out this assignment, that you need him. And I remember um, there was a time that, I mean, it's like, Lord, I need to know how to think right now. I need to get my opinions about this person from you. I need to get the way I feel about this situation from you. I, I need to get my very next words from you. Mm -hmm. I am so dependent on you. That's supplication. 
placing all of our dependence on him. And that's what humility is. Right? Right. Okay. And so then we go into verse 7. Deborah, will you read verse 7? Um, it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're going to look at at least three words here. But the peace of God, that word is the wholeness of God. And we think of shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. But it's that wholeness that results when all essential parts are joined together. The wholeness of God, where everything is brought together. The peace of God, pass, which passeth all understanding. That word passeth in the Greek, <laughs> it means to be superior, and it means to be better than. So the wholeness of God is better than all of your understanding, all of your spiritual understanding, all of your natural understanding, all of whatever of the kind of understanding you had. The peace of God, the wholeness of God is superior to all of that put together. Glory to God. And Pastor Terry was explaining the other week, she says, you know, when we think about the peace of God, we think about the after effects of the peace of God, that stillness, that calmness, that, you know, peace. But she says, when do you call for peace? In the middle of a storm, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of when all these things are going on. So think about how powerful the peace of God has to be to come upon all that and bring it to that calm and bring it to that stillness. Look at how strong a force peace is. And here we're seeing that it's this wholeness of God. It's this peace of God. It outdoes every understanding that you have. And that is amazing, considering we spent a lot of time talking about the understand how Jesus gave in First John. Jesus gave us an understanding that we would know the true God, that we would know Him, and that we would know have life eternal, and have a good understanding. Have all they that fear the Lord. All this understanding, but the peace of God surpasses it all. Whoo! Glory to God. So the wholeness of God exceeds. It's, it's superior to, it's better than all the understanding that we have. And it shall keep our hearts and minds. Get this. Woo! This word keep, again, in the Greek, this is the definition that stood out to me. To actively display whatever defensive and offensive means are necessary to guard. This is God's peace doing this. Whatever offensive moves he needs to make, whatever defensive moves he needs to make, he's doing that all on our behalf to keep our hearts and to keep our minds. Glory to God. That sounds like sanctification to me. 
That sounds like when we purpose in our heart to sanctify ourselves to him and situations come upon us, then we humble ourselves and know, God, I can't do it without you. And we offer prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You Thank you, Believe it. Thank you, Lord. You are the way when there seems to be no way. Thank you, Lord. It's all about you. When we do that, he employs every defensive and offensive method needed to, 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 to keep us sanctified unto him. Glory to God. Not to let anything in to get us. He keeps our heart. And that word heart in the, um, in the Greek, I like it. It says it's our desire producer that makes us tick. Is <laughs> that the is <laughs> the thing that we enjoy? It's our desire desire decisions that establish who we really are. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's it's, it's our character. It's 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 what makes you know you can. What I'll just use this sheep and wolf's clothing. Okay, it might be you you might it might fool people for a while, but. I mean, wolf in sheep's clothing, excuse me. It might look like a sheep and all this, but it's still going to act like a wolf. And you'll see it because of its desired decisions that establish who it really is. Well, the same thing, our desire in our hearts, and God protects all of that when we yes. sanctify ourselves unto him, when we humble ourselves before him, when we walk in the fear of the Lord and say, Lord, what you say is right, and I want what's right. I want you. He sanctifies. He protects that. He protects our motives. He protects even, you know, Yolanda Adams in the midst of it all. Mm. He kept me um, when I wanted to do wrong. There were times I wanted to do wrong, but mm -hmm. he kept me. Yeah, because my heart is for him. He kept me in yes. the midst of it all. Glory to God. Woo. He employs every offensive and defensive tactic needed to protect our hearts and our minds. And that word mm -hmm. minds in the, in the Greek, it is the result of thinking. They didn't even say it's the, the thinking tool itself, our mind. It's the result of our thinking. It's the personal verdict that comes out of using the mind. You know, we can think about things and get it all twisted up and mm -hmm. think it all wrong. Amen. It all wrong. But he's protecting our thinking. He's protecting the way we think. He's protecting the results of our thinking. He's keeping us he, he, thinking right so that it lines up with his thoughts, so that it lines up with his word. All of this is coming from uh, uh, humility. This is, this is what he's showing us about humility. It only results from humility. It only results from total dependence on God. Hallelujah. 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 And I mean, it's, it's so wonderful. I think, you know, I can go to my refrigerator, pull out anything I want. I can go to my cabinet, pull out anything I want. 
I can go to the kingdom, pull out anything I want. I need to know how to think about this situation. I need to know how to speak in this situation. I yeah. need to know how to pray in this situation. I need to know what to desire in this situation. I need to know what to think. I need. I go straight to the kingdom and I get it because I realize whoo, that my total dependence is on God and that he supplies everything I need. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh my gosh. That's all I have. That's 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 all. Tamara's like, what? <laughs> it's your turn. Who has something? I'm sure there's more, but who has this is I mean, oh my goodness, can you just love God right now? This is so wonderful what he is Hallelujah. up and it's such a it's just such a relief it's just such a relief it's such a what an honor lord what a privilege it is to be able to humble ourselves before you you've not told us to do anything that is irksome or grievous or burdensome every command that you have given us is because you love us and in loving us, you give us the opportunity to love you back by obeying what you say. Hallelujah. We love you because you first loved us. If you didn't give us the commands, we wouldn't have the commands to obey. And it's all for our good. Thank you so much. And I, I, um, I, I want to go into intercession. For the, does anybody have any comments? Yeah. Okay. Oh, one of the things that I've been thinking as you've been talking about this is when you truly step into humility, you also can um, stand on the word more solid than any other time. That's true. Um, the other day, when I was talking about, you know, Adam committed a sin. He didn't just kind of like make a wrong decision. He committed sin because he was disobedient. I was so able to, to know that so much more clearly. And that's something that I have found that's increasing is that when I take the word and, and when I'm standing on the word that I really understand that I am committed to and submitted to then I am you know let's see in weakness God is strong so when I and I and, and humility isn't about weakness but it's it's putting myself in a place within God that it's like I can be strong in the word, stronger than in any other time. And God is strong for me or with me. So um, sometimes I, I have told you, Captain, that I see all of heaven backing you. And I think that's those times when when 
all of God is, is in it because of not only, but at least partially, uh, the humility of which you were in at the time. That's it. Praise God. I like, we can stand on the word stronger than at any other time. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I really like what you said, Shalom, that when I take the word that I am committed to and submitted to, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Tamara, you want to say something? No, I'm <laughs> disagreeing. Uh, it's, okay. That's true. Yeah. Just wow. Um, yeah. Shalom, will you please share the story of when you were six years old and you went to the bank for your grandmother? I think you were six. But anyway, tell the story because you knew who you were. <laughs> you were committed, okay. to, committed to your identity in that. Um, it stems from the fact that my grandmother, who was uh, legally blind, she wore, you know, the sunglasses, and she didn't use it, but she had the the blind, the cane that's white with a red tip. Um, she sent me uh, to the bank in Norristown. Norristown was a pretty big. It was pretty big. It wasn't a city, but it was big. It was busy. And she sent me down to the bank, which was about two blocks down. But I had to cross the street. And I went in the bank, and um, I waited in turn. And then when it was my turn, I stepped up to the counter and... Um, I talked to the woman who was behind the counter. I couldn't even see her and said that, um, you know, I had, I had some money to do business type deal. And she said, she asked me to stand back so she could see me. And she, so she said, and, and so who are you? And I said, I am Mrs. Rife Snyder's granddaughter. And, um, it was, you know, I was like announcing it to the bank. <laughs> and the, the reason why it was, it was, it was the reason why it was important is, you know, that's who I saw who I was. And mm-hmm. in my background, I was adopted. And so there was confusion about, you know, who was who and who am I in the family. So um, this gave me a, an opportunity to announce mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that I was Mrs. Rife Snyder's granddaughter. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that's, I was sure about that. I don't know why I was more sure about it than anybody else, but I was sure that I was her granddaughter. Yeah. I always enjoy hearing that story. That's good. Yeah. And she and, and it just that came to me. Thank you for sharing it, Shalom. That came to me when um, you said submitted to it and submitted to it, and you can stand it stronger than at any other time when you're in that place of humility. 
Right. So what a blessing. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. Does anybody have anything they want to share? Yeah, I I I was as you were teaching and I, I felt a connection. Like you know how you connect dots? Mm-hmm. I remember you saying some lessons back how the um the fear of the Lord is resident in the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. And tonight I was hearing the fruit of the Spirit is resident in humility. How God has already, we, with our recreation, we've got that in us. And like you said, we have to choose to put it into practice, but it's there, that gentleness, that joy, that that peace that you spoke about in verse seven. I saw every fruit in those three scriptures just stand up at times when, when, when you were expounding. And it was like God was almost saying, see, humility is right there. Within that, those fruits are within that humility and it's just screaming everywhere you look. It's right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll take you back to our first lesson where I was giving the definition of yield. And the yielding, one of the definitions of yield is to just naturally bring forth. It's a natural result. It just comes out. You don't have to mm, try to make it come out, force it out. It's a natural. So yielding is not just submitting to, but it's also a natural bringing forth of. And as a matter of fact, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Real quick. Um, Deborah, would you like to read those, please? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Mm. But May I also read it out of the Passion? Oh, sure. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Amen. Amen. Will you read just the first part of that scripture? Just the first part. But the fruit of the the fruit of the spirit is. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. The fruit produced by the Spirit within you. That's what it said. Okay. Because the part that I want to focus on is, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and here in the Passion it says, um, the fruit produced by the Spirit within you. The fruit is produced by the Spirit within us because Holy Spirit dwells in us. The fruit is there. The fruit is produced. And it's like Deborah said, the fruit is there. But now there must come the yielding fruit. 
There must come the yielding forth of that fruit that causes it to manifest on the outside. Mm -hmm. And the yielding of that fruit, the bringing forth of that fruit, results from the yielding to the spirit who is inside of us, yielding to the spirit who produces that. So the very bearing of the fruit, the very bringing forth of the fruit is humility. So the fruit of the spirit is in humility and it's humility that brings forth the fruit. This it, it's just all so interconnected. Look at what humility does. Look at, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing so much more about humility. I mean, before my thoughts were, Okay, you know, humble ourselves before God. Okay, don't try to promote yourself. Let God promote you. My grandmother used to say, don't compliment yourself. Because I used to go to the mirror, I'm like, oh, I look pretty today. I was like, don't you say that about yourself. You let somebody else tell you you look pretty. I was like, oh. So that's a lesson I learned growing up, you know. But it was like, don't say anything good about yourself. Let other people say it. But what that developed in me was a dependence for other people to say it. <laughs> And so like, all kinds of emotional stuff going on, right? And self-esteem issues and all this and all that. Um, but how empowering is humility? Just wow. Just wow. And you know, another scripture the Lord has been ministering to me, I've shared it with you all, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Well, this sufficiency he's been talking to me about, he's expanding it. It's not only referring to finances, it's not only referring to resources, but it's also, I am self-sufficient in that I don't need anybody else's opinion about me. Mm -hmm. And whereas that has always been a mental exercise for me, an emotional exercise for me, you know, God, deliver me from people, you know, this kind of thing. And God, thank you for deliverance from people. And then I hit another level. It's like, oh, deliver me again, right? And so it's like, but when I get to see what I have, I have what God says I have. Mm -hmm. And when I get to see this humility and how it works, and I am self-sufficient, even in not self-esteem, but Christ-esteem, because everything I have and everything I am is what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. And so I'm free to do the things that God has for me. I don't have to worry about what people are going to say. I don't have to worry about what people think. I don't have to worry about how people receive me or don't receive me. And let's just bring it right home with this Equality Act that was passed last week. I don't need, right, whatever is going to happen with the government. I'm not dependent on any of that because I am self-sufficient. I have what God says I have, and he has equipped me with everything exactly. I need. Exactly. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I feel like we can. And Catherine, then... And didn't the Lord say, Catherine, that grace is given to the humble, that all abounding grace you're talking about? That's right. That's right. Even more grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> amen. 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 
So I'm so excited. I like where God has taken us tonight. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. Does anybody have anything they'd like to say? 